Thank you, Freddie, and for the worship team and leading us into the presence of the Lord. And church, this morning we have with us, it's an honor for me to introduce Fulton Hawk. He's going to be delivering the word of God this morning. And Fulton and his family are no stranger to us here at the Krakohana. They are part of us, and he does come and visits us, and we're glad he's here. And Fulton, come on up. Fulton, and along with Rob Nolan, directs a wonderful program of the Salvation Army called Revolution Hawaii. And also he oversees the Camp Homolani camp that we'll be heading out to for our family camp. He directs them. It's a one-year intense discipleship program at our camp, and also these young adults come all over the country, really, and they come to Hawaii and be discipled. And certainly, Fulton is here to share the word, and he is a man of the word. And so we're glad that you're here. So let's welcome Fulton, church. Thank you. Good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning, early this morning. I always have so much respect for you guys coming for the early service. Usually, the only time I'm up this early for church is on Easter. And so, um, it's a blessing to um, share with you this morning. Um, have you guys been watching the Olympics? Anybody been watching the Olympics? Yeah? I am surprised. Every time I turn on the TV, I'm surprised about how many sports there are that I didn't even know existed. Yeah? there's. The other day, I, I was watching these 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 girls, and they had hula hoops and clubs, and they're throwing them up in the air. I was like, well, this is a sport? I didn't even know. Um, but it's been awesome to watch, and it's been awesome to see these stories of people. Um, they always do those backstories of the athletes, of where they came from. They always come from s- some small town, and they've had to overcome so much, and it's always very, very inspiring, and you see these guys, and they're pushing it, and They get their prize, and it's really inspiring, and it would be really easy to preach about that this morning. In fact, because the Olympics, they're only four times a year, right? I mean, four times a year, every four years. There are four times a year. That would be insane. Um, They're every four years, and so this is an easy sermon season because it would be easy for me to talk about, man, the Bible tells us to to press forward to the goal, to um, go for the gold. To, to go for the reward which is in heaven. It says to uh, cast off anything that's hindering you from running the race, right? There's all these sports analogies in, in the Bible, and it would be easy for me to, to preach on that and to, to give a, like a coach pep talk, and everybody leaves here feeling like, man, I can do it. This is great. I'm so pumped up. But that's not the word I have today. In fact, it's a little different. And, and instead of like Michael Phelps or uh, Katie Ledecky, like gliding across the water and, and showing how powerful they are in the water, it's quite the opposite. It's someone struggling in the water and drowning. Um, let me just read to you um, from God's word this morning. If you have your Bibles with you or your iPhones or your iPads, whatever you use to read God's word, if you turn to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to pick it up in verse 22. It says this, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back onto the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. But meanwhile, the disciples were in Uh, were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves and about three o'clock in the morning Jesus came toward them walking on the water when the disciples saw him walking on the water they were terrified in their fear they cried out it's a ghost 
But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to walk out to you on the water. Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. It's pretty amazing. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back on the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for loving us the way that you do, God. I just pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds, Lord, for everyone in here. Lord, I pray um, as I give the word today, Lord, that if I say anything that doesn't make any sense or is wrong or is incorrect, that everybody in this room would know that's me. And they'll give me full credit for that, God. But, Lord, I pray that if um, anything rings true to them or, or touches their heart, God, that I pray that they'd know that that's you and that you get full credit for that. Lord, we love you, and we just pray that um, we'd listen to your word and it would not just be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have this story. Jesus is walking on the water. It's stormy, and um, we're going to kind of use this. This story actually happened, but we're going to use it kind of as a metaphor for our Christian walk, our relationship with Jesus and what it looks like, because it kind of takes place in three acts. Um, The first one is this. There's a step of faith, right? Peter steps out in faith. Now, I know Jesus says, man, you have little faith, but the truth is he had a lot more faith than the guys in the boat. Let's give him a little bit of credit, right? When we're talking about faith, let's, I want to be clear about what we're talking about. Here's what the Bible says faith is. If we can go to the next slide. It says, faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. The absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen, right? So faith is about believing in stuff that you can't see, right? That's part of it. But it's not just about belief. If it was just about belief, um, then the Bible says even the demons believe in God and they shake with fear, right? So belief is the first part of faith, but the second part is this trust, right? Faith, it's trust. I'll use this as an example. This stool right here, the first part of faith is um, intellectual, yeah? This is a stool. It's made for sitting on. I believe that this is a stool and that I can sit on it, Right? But if I never sit on it, or if I am afraid to sit on it, then I really don't have any faith in the stool, correct? There's no, I I believe that it's a stool, but you got to put actions to it. That's why this verse says this. If we can go to the next slide. James says this. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. It's one thing to say, Oh, Jesus, I love you, and I believe that you're the Son of God. But if you don't really trust him, and you don't step out into action, then it's really just talk, right? So we have the disciples. They're on this boat, and 
the waves are hitting it, the wind is blowing, and it says that all of a sudden they see Jesus. Now, I assume that Jesus must have been glowing or something because there's no street lights out there. There's no light, lighthouse. They see something on the water. It's dark outside and there's a storm. So Jesus is maybe glowing, maybe, I don't know what he is, right? But they see him and they're scared. They get all Scooby-Doo and they're like, it's a ghost. The only answer is it must be a ghost. And Jesus says, no, don't be afraid. It's me. And then Peter Peter, I don't know if he's doing this because he's a show-off, right? I don't think, he says this, uh, Jesus, if it's really you, let me walk out on the water to you, right? So my assumption is this, Peter knows that it's Jesus, because if you really didn't trust that it was Jesus, you said, hey, uh, prove it, and then you go out there and you walk in, it's not Jesus, what happens? You sink, right? So I wouldn't do that, right? Hey, if you're really Jesus down there, I'm going to jump and you save me. No. Right? I think he knows, but he wants to be a part of the action. He wants to do what Jesus is doing. If you saw someone walking on water, you'd be like, I want to, be, I want to do that. And what does he do? He steps out in faith. He makes that first step. He gets out of the boat. That's like the first part of our Christian walk. Do you step out in faith? Some of us are in a boat right now, and, we're, and, and the boat of life, and it's being rocked by a storm right? Or before you ever gave your life to Christ, maybe that's where you were. Maybe it didn't even seem like you were in a, in a rough spot, but someone told you, man, there is a better way. If you believe in Jesus Christ and give your life to him, you'll be saved. And you had to make that, you had to make that decision. You had to say, okay, Lord, I trust my life with you. And you had to make that first step. I imagine, um, I could just kind of picture it. You know, Jesus is saying, come to me, right? I don't know if you, any of you guys have, have seen this uh, scene play out at a pool, but this summer I've been spending a lot of time at a pool with my kids, and my son's young, and he's just learning how to swim, and you know, you want him to jump off the edge to you, right? And you're saying, trust me, jump, jump. And he's like, uh, Dad, just a little bit closer, right? Just a little bit closer. And he gets up there, and he has this courage, and he's like, Dad, closer, and it's pretty soon, I'm, I'm so close that he could literally just fall in, into my arms. But he wants to know that I'm there, right? And as a dad, who I want him to be able to swim on his own, sometimes I do step back a bit, yeah? When he's about to jump, I want him to, I want him to do it. Jesus isn't doing that to us, right? Jesus isn't saying, hey, come here, psych. He's not doing that to us, right? He's saying, come, trust me, step out in faith. Some of us in this room have already done that. And there's some in this room who haven't. We're still in the boat saying, Jesus, is that really you? Can I really trust you? And the answer is yes. But you'll never know why you're sitting in the boat. You'll never know. You'll never know you can trust Jesus unless you trust him. I'll never know that this stool could hold me up unless I sit down in it. It's the only way to find out. The good news is this is that. Jesus is a good, loving father, right? He loves us, and so we know we can trust him. So that's the first part. But the second part is is where we're going to spend most of it, misplacing our faith. I think one of the important things about this story is this, because we live in a time where people say that they have faith, or, um, oh, I, I have a faith that can move mountains. And we use faith as this big blanket term. And Jesus says to Peter, 
you have little faith. But the truth is what Jesus is saying to him is, you have little faith in me, right? Because the Bible does say, if you have a faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But it's just not some random faith. You can, people have faith in all sorts of things. You have to have faith in the right thing. Does that make sense? Yeah? Just faith on its own. People, too, say this all the time. Oh, I believe in the power of prayer. Well, there's only power if you're praying to the right person. There's no power in prayer on its own. There's power in God. And that's why we pray to him. The same with faith. Right? People say, like, oh, I have a lot of faith. But what's your faith in? And we misplace our faith. Something happens in the story. So Peter is actually walking on the water. He's actually making some progress towards Jesus. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably just happy as a clam, thinking, I can't believe it. But if, he's, if, if Peter's anything like me, this is what happens. He steps out onto the water and says this in his mind, I'm doing it. Look, I'm doing it. I can't believe I'm doing it. Is he doing it? No, he ain't doing it. God's doing it. Jesus is doing it. But we take credit for the things he does every single day. How many of you guys have ever prayed, oh, Lord, just let me help pass this test. I need to pass this test. And then you pass it. I did it, guys. I did it. Help me. I did it. As soon as it's done, we take the credit for it. As soon as Peter gets on the water, he's like, I'm doing it. And then what happens? He starts sinking. Yeah? He starts sinking. And in his mind, he's like, well, I was just doing it. What am I doing differently? And he starts maybe thinking, oh, were my toes spread out differently? Am I standing up too? And he's trying to, he's trying to mimic what he was doing before because he thinks he had something to do with it. But it doesn't have anything to do with him. It has to do with Jesus. It reminds me of the story of the, the guy. He was, he was running late for a job interview, and a very important job interview, and he was struggling. He was going around and around the block looking for parking, and there was no parking. And he was like, I got to get a parking space. I got to get up. I'm going to be late to this interview. Right? And so he starts pleading with God. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done this. God, please let me help this find this parking place. Lord, if you help me find this, Lord, I will be at church every Sunday. And he's still driving around. And he still can't find one. Lord, if you, if you help me find this space, I will give everything I have to the poor. I will help out at the soup kitchen. Whatever it is, I need this space, right? And then he turns the corner. And he's like, oh, never mind, God. I see one. I found one, God. Never mind. Never mind. I got it. How many of us do that with our faith? How many of us take that first step out and think, oh, now I understand. Now I got it. Okay, Jesus, I got this. And pretty soon you find yourself struggling. All of a sudden, Peter starts sinking, drowning, taking in water. Are you tired of treading water? Do you feel like, man, you're struggling? You, you can't just keep your head above water? You just, man, if I could just get my head up a little bit. How many of us have been satisfied so long with treading water, barely surviving when Jesus is saying you could walk on the water? What happens is I think we treat 
our relationship with Jesus as um, we do with most things. Jesus isn't like our a relationship where he's our coach and he's our teacher and he's training us for a day when we can go off on our own. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus doesn't say, you know what? You spent a lot of time with me. Now you got it. Go. Even when he's leaving the disciples, right? And he's going up and he's telling them to go out into all the world. What does he say? I will be with you always. It's not some Jedi Padawan thing, you know, where he, you've learned enough. Now go. Now the student is, is greater than the teacher. No, our relationship with Jesus is different. In fact, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend in that relationship, the more we realize how much we need him. It's not something where we spend some time with him and say, man, Jesus, I think I got this now. There's a verse, and it, it sums it up. It says, some people think they are doing right, but in the end, it leads to death. How many of us, even the stuff that we think is good, even the stuff like ministry, right? Even the good things that we're doing, we think that we're doing it on our own. And we're giving God, you know, we're, we're doing it because God needs our help. God needs our efforts. God doesn't need our help. He doesn't. It says his power is made perfect in our weakness, not in our efforts. In fact, the Bible says, apart from him, we could do nothing. Jesus says, I am the the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you could bear much fruit. Apart from me, you do nothing. It's not this Jesus co-partner thing. Jesus is in charge. He always is in charge. So you got Peter, and he's sitting here drowning, and he's scared, and he's taking in water, and he's trying to do everything he can to stay above water. And finally, he throws his hands up and says, Jesus, save me. How many of you guys have ever just thrown your hands up and said, forget it, I'm done? Have you ever done that? Like, forget it. You've been working a hard time. Forget it. I'm done. How many of you ever talked to your spouse and said, forget it. This conversation's over. We're not getting anywhere. That's what Peter's doing, but he's not doing it in a bad way. He's saying, forget it. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not safe out in these waters without you. You need to save me. He surrenders. I've tried, Lord. It's not working. I need to surrender. We're going to look at the next slide. It's talking about surrendering in faith. How many of you guys are good at surrendering? Anybody? Anybody like to give up? I mean, I'm good at giving. I do it a lot, but no one likes to give up. Especially in this season, like we said, we're talking about the Olympics. It's go for the gold. Reach out just a little bit harder. Just strive a little bit more, and you can accomplish anything you want if you just put your mind to it. But the Bible says it's about surrendering. We don't have a good culture of surrendering, right? We don't teach kids about surrendering. We teach kids they can be anything they want to be, go for their dreams. They can do anything if they put their mind to it. 
Newsflash, that's not what the Bible says. We can only do whatever God wants us to do and by his strength. That's the truth. The key to a relationship and to to walking on water is surrender. I'll tell you how foreign this concept is to us now. Um, I was looking online for for things like um, reach for the sky, shoot for the stars, right? And they actually had this this picture of Woody from Toy Story. You guys know Woody from Toy Story. He's a, a toy cowboy from the 1950s, right? And it had a picture of him. And one of his little things, he's like one of those toys where if you pull a string, he says stuff. And one of his phrases is, reach for the sky, right? And so I saw online this poster that they have, and it's like an inspirational poster. And it's, it's Woody from Toy Story, the cowboy. And it's him looking up at the sky saying, reach for the sky. Like it's this something like, reach for the sky, reach for your dreams. Newsflash. That's not what Woody is saying. That's not what cowboys were saying when they were saying, reach for the sky. When a cowboy came in with a gun, he said, reach for the sky. He was telling you to surrender. Put your hands up. And we've turned it into some goal thing. We turned it into a poster in an office. Reach for the sky. He's saying surrender. But this is how foreign it is to us. No, we don't surrender. We, we reach for the sky. That's what, that's what Peter's doing. He's reaching up, and he's reaching not to grab something, not to obtain something. He's reaching up so someone will grab him. He's surrendering to Jesus, a full surrender. What's that look like? What is it that you haven't surrendered? When we talk about surrendering, we always talk about, like, the bad things, right? God, I'm going to come and leave my dirty habits. I'm going to surrender those to you. And he wants those for sure. Lord, I give you my anger, my pride, you know, my, my ego, um, the, the bad habits I have, which I, I look at on TV and on the internet. I give you all that, Lord. I'm going to surrender all of that to you. But God, that's not a full surrender. He even wants the good stuff. He wants your ministries. He wants a relationship with your kids. He wants it all. He didn't come just to, to fill a cavity, right? He came to replace the whole tooth. That's what surrender looks like. That's what surrender looks like. And until we surrender, we're going to still be treading water. Treading water. If you look at this verse, this is what surrender looks like. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, oh, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. Talk about surrender. He's talking about surrendering his entire life. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, we could sit here and talk about the crucifixion. We've seen pictures of it. We've seen little statues of it. We've seen movies that portray it. But the truth is, is no matter how much we talk about dying on a cross, in our culture, it doesn't mean that much because it's not a reality for us. But when Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, and when Paul's saying, I have been crucified with Christ, the people he was talking to knew exactly what he was talking about. Because they've seen people picking up their cross every day. 
They seen him, and guess what? They weren't coming back. It was a full commitment. Yeah? You can't die on the cross part way. You can't just surrender partially to the cross. And Jesus is saying, I've surrendered my life for you, and so you could surrender your life for me. You could trust me. So we surrender in faith because he is faithful. There's a, there's a famous, like, I don't know if it's a poem or a story or an analogy. Uh, you guys might be familiar with it. It's called Footsteps in the Sand. Footsteps in the Sand? Yeah? I tried to look at who wrote it, and there's some discrepancy. But mostly it's credited to Anonymous. Anonymous wrote it, so we'll give Anonymous credit today. I always wonder, like, people write something, and they're like, oh, I don't want the credit. Just say Anonymous. I, don't, I would never do that. I want the spotlight. Like, hey, that's mine. I did it. Or I don't know, maybe it's like the witness protection program. Maybe as soon as they write it, someone knocks on the door and said, we need to keep your identity a secret. I don't know. Anonymous wrote it. But anyways, footsteps in the sand is this thing about, so this guy, he he passes away and he goes to heaven and his whole life is looked at as these footprints in the sand. And he was saying, look at, this is where Jesus and I walk together, right? This is your whole life. And it's these footsteps. It's my footsteps and your footsteps. Jesus's footsteps and your footsteps. And he says, Jesus, but I don't understand. In the hard parts of my life, in the hard parts of my life, there's only one set of footsteps. Why did you leave me? Why did you leave me during the hard times? And Jesus says, I didn't leave you during those times. That's when I had to carry you, right? And that sounds really, really good. But I think the word tells us something totally different. I think the footsteps in the sand is all backwards. I think there are times when there's two footsteps, and God is carrying us, right? And there's times when, when we're walking on the side, but I don't think the hard times are when he's carrying us. I think the hard times are when you see two sets of footsteps. And it was like, God, why was it so hard? I see two sets of footsteps. Oh, that's when he thought you could do it on your own. That's when he thought you just needed me just a little bit. That's why it was really hard. When it was easy, you were riding my back. That's the set of footsteps. Jesus says, hey, you want to come walk with me in the sand? Get on my back. One set of footprints. And then you see the hard part. It's like, oh, I think I got this, Jesus. That's when it got rough. What is it today you have to surrender? Are you ready to surrender? Um, the Salvation Army has this culture. Um, like in the old time Salvation Army, we, we sing these Salvation Army songs because it has this military metaphor. And w- using a military metaphor, it's always about storming the forts of darkness and going and saving the world. And we start wa- waving our Salvation Army flags, right? Like we're going to go save the world for Jesus. We're going to go advance the kingdom. But a lot of us, we're waving those flags and doing it, but we're giving the enemy footholds in our own hearts. And we use the busyness of God, like doing the things that God wants us to do, as an excuse to not surrender. And it shouldn't be about waving our flag unless we wave a white flag of surrender and saying, God, I give it to you. Even my ministry, even my church, my Sunday school class, even the good things I do, they're yours. I'm giving them to you. You take control of them. I trust you. Help me not to take credit for the things that you're doing in my life. It's you. So I'm going to ask Freddie to, to come up and play. But I want to spend this time 
in prayer, just thinking about what is it that God's telling you to surrender? What is it? What is it in your life right now that's holding you back? And it may not be some dark, dark, dirty sin. It might be the things that's really good, but you haven't given it to God. Ask him, say, Lord, I trust you. You might be still on the boat and you need to take that first step of faith. And if that's you, take it. Pray and say, God, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And I will. Maybe you know that you've been misplacing your trust. We do that a lot. We put our trust in our jobs, our finances, our securities, our health. Those are all great things, but if that's where your trust is, it's going to fail. We can say we trust Jesus all day long, but until we actually surrender to him and say, save me, Lord. I can't do this anymore. Save me. Then we know that we're in the good hands of him. Take some time. Spend some time with Jesus. And then we'll close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the example of Peter, Lord, who um, is like so many of us. And struggled with self, Lord. And struggled with surrender. Lord, I'm glad that you're faithful. Help me to surrender, Lord. Help me to give you the things that you asked me to give you, which is everything. Help me not to hold anything back. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, um, it would be like um, when the police come. I, I pray that we'd leave here with our hands up. Lord, our hearts surrender to you. Help us to quit trying to negotiate our terms, but to trust you, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for loving us the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.